Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Noble Relating, the podcast of the new paradigm. I got another special guest in the building. Uh, this is a follow-up to an interview I did last season. Uh, everybody, please welcome Miss uh, Mickey Bay Crawford. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Noble. Of course, of course. I really appreciate you coming on to do this. I had a really, you know, um, great interview with your husband. He really kind of broke down some stuff that I hadn't really heard a man say before. Uh, so I was hope, really interested to get uh, your perspective on everything. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of start off by saying you two have a very powerful love story. Um, it's something that you don't really hear very often, like outside of like actual fairy tales of how people kind of get together and, and, and move forward. And um, I would just love for you for the audience to like, kind of maybe reiterate that for people who haven't um, heard you know, your husband's account um from getting like kind of the whole thing from your side sure so the cliff notes version of our love story is that we met online we had one conversation the conversation was about four hours long we mm. went on one date the next day mm-hmm. and we got engaged over pancakes during the mm. date oh, during the and date during the date during our very mm. first date <laughs> and we were married 90 days later. So yeah. <laughs> that is the, the really quick version to give you a little bit of context into how it happens that you get engaged on a first date, because that's usually what people want to know, like, oh, my God, how did you know? And why did you say yes? Yeah, so, yeah that's going to be my next question, <laughs> of course. So for me, it was beyond um, logic for me. It was something that I knew spiritually because I had been having a reoccurring dream about my husband for about six years. I started having that dream when I was 26 and I didn't meet him until I was 32. And Mm -hmm. in the dream, he came up behind me and gave me a hug. And I could only tell that he was dark skinned, bald, bald and taller than me, but I could feel exactly how the hug felt in my dream. And I had this dream continuously. And what was funny about it is that it was clear to me that the man in the dream was my husband, but Raheem is the polar opposite of what I date, literally in every way, (laughs) physically. I mean, like, so I'm thinking to myself, like, God, how is this my husband? And I don't even date this man. But, you know, six years years later, uh, on our first date, he hugged me and I immediately knew that it was him because I Mm. felt that same energy that I felt for my dream and that I had been feeling for six years. And then also this was right after Easter, 2016. So I had been on a fast for Lent and I gave Mm. up dating entirely. And while I was on that fast, yeah, because you know, I lived in LA for 10 years. I was single the entire time I was there. I dated, Mm. but you know, nothing really serious. And I was just burnt out. I was like, you know what? God, I need to just take this time to spend this time with you because I was really pained by not being married. And Mm. I didn't want to be in pain. I wanted to be able to be okay with whatever the timing was on it because I knew that I was a wife, but I just didn't feel comfortable with, you know, my singleness in that moment. And so I went on the fast because I wanted to be comfortable with whatever that timing was. And while I was on that fast, I ended up feeling his energy literally surround me. 
And I knew that it was my husband's energy because it felt like pure, just love, romantic love energy while I was on this fast. So I knew that I was going to meet him or that he was in my life somewhere close to me because I could actually feel the energy. And that's the only time that has ever happened to me. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. So when we actually met, it was, it was, just confirmation of all of the things that I had spoken to God about privately. And so for me, I, I feel that the successes that I've had in my life has been because I don't question my intuition. And I know that my intuition is infinite intelligence source, God energy. And so when I'm connected to that, I don't question what it looks like on the outside. Right. I knew Mm -hmm that I had asked for some very specific things. And one of the very specific things I asked for that no one else in the world knew was that God, when he sees me, I want him to know it is me. And so when he asked me to marry him on site, mm. that was an answer to my prayer. Right. Because I did not want to go to the Brigham Roll. I didn't want nobody trying to test me and, <laughs> and see, you know, if I'm the one and, you know, and can mm-hmm. I cook and can I do this? He didn't know none of that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other part of it is that it was at a very vulnerable time in life for both of us. So Raheem was really in transition. When we met, he told me, that he was moving to Philly the next week and that if he had time to pursue me, he would. But unfortunately his time was coming to an end in LA, but he just wanted to like send me that message. So that was his initial Mm -hmm. message to me. Okay. And that was very different, you know, from a lot of the messages like, Hey, beautiful, you know, (laughs) it was, it was not, it was not that type of message at all. It was like, even that had a, had a layer of vulnerability in it. Um, but he, he just was very honest with me on that first date and told me like, look, you know, I'm headed back to my hometown because LA has kind of set me on my ass and, you know, Mm -hmm. I need to go back home and regroup. I'm broke. I don't have anything to my name. You oh, know, wow. he and, told you, like, he's trying to get you at yeah. this point. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't think he was trying to get me. I think he okay. was just at a space of just like, this is where I'm at. And and really, you're a stranger. So it really doesn't matter if I tell you this or not. Right. Oh, um, right, right. What you what you want. And I had uh, just lost my mom the day after I met him. And he didn't know this. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. my mom died the day after Easter 2016. So I met him Easter Sunday when I broke my fast. We met on OkCupid. We okay. talked all night just on the app. And then mm-hmm. he told me he was moving to Philly a week later. But that whole entire week, I was in California, um, in Northern California, attending to my mom's, you know, estate, right? So right. I, when I got back to L.A., it happened to be exactly a week later. And I was like, oh my God, I wonder if that guy is still here. And I don't even know why that popped in my head because obviously I was Mm. distraught. I was grieving. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, I was in a really bad, you know, mental state. But something told me, like, reach out to that guy. And I was just like, hey, are you still in town? He was like, yeah, I leave today. And I was like, well, you know what? Let's just meet for breakfast. And he was just kind of like, um, I'm leaving in a few hours. I'm straight. And I was just like, no, like we're, we need to at least meet because we had had this great four hour conversation, you know, and Mm. I just really felt like I wanted to at least see this person 
in person, Facebook. right? Yeah. Yep. And so he agreed. So we met at like this little cafe um, in the Valley and literally 45 minutes later, we were engaged. Wow. Wow. So, okay. Well, that's, that's, that's a whole thing in, in itself. Like this, this was how long ago? This was six and a half years ago. Okay. You guys are happily married now. Yes. Right. Okay. So like when people hear that, they think, okay, well, it's like a fairy tale type of like get together story. So that mean like it was just smooth mm-hmm. sailing afterwards, like after the 45 minutes you engaged and then everything was just easy. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was not easy. So what happened after that? And that's a really good question that no one's ever asked actually. Um, what happened after that really bonded us together. We were, like I said, he was financially in a terrible place. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually did go back to Philly. So that day after we got engaged, he got on a train and he went to Philly and he was there for two weeks. And during that two weeks, we spoke every day, um, multiple times a day for hours a day. And we discussed, you know, what our life was going to be and what it was going to look like. And we took that time to really get to know each other and decided if we were really going to do this, he had to move back. So he moved back two weeks later and moved in with me. And um, we decided well, okay. to... So you've known him for two weeks at this point, and he moved in with you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. Go ahead. And he moves in, and we start marriage counseling the very next day. So we started Christian marriage counseling the very next day. Because one thing I knew, and also I should mention, like, I was 32, he was 38. So we were not, this wasn't like, I wasn't 19, right? So we had right. been around the block. He had kids. We knew enough to know what we were looking at in each other that it was special and that it was yes unconventional but as they say when you know you know and i used to hate when people said that to me when i was single (laughs) but now having had (laughs) having had that experience it's true like if there is and i also have a i have a theory that when you're supposed to have a child with someone like there's nothing you can do to stop it right we have a son we have a three-year-old son now And Mm -hmm. even though, like, he wasn't even a thought at that point, that was still Ethan's daddy, right? Like, it was, I was looking at my son's father, and I didn't know it at the time. And so I was drawn to him anyway, because we had to bring life into this world. So that's just an aside. Like, that's just my own (laughs) kind of theory about things. But he moved in two weeks later. We started Christian marriage counseling uh, because I really wanted to make sure that we gave ourselves a good foundation and mm-hmm. neither of us had been married before. And I at least was like, hey, I know this is non-traditional, but let's try to prepare for this as much as we can. And initially we were not planning to get married quickly. We were planning to have a longer engagement, but because my mom had just passed away and I was really grieving, as we went through the marriage counseling and we had like set our date for, it was supposed to be like October the next year or something like that. and. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just really hard for me to go through like the the wedding planning process without having my mom. And he looked at me and said, you know, I don't need a wedding. Why don't we just go ahead and, and do it? And this was the night before we graduated the program um, for marriage counseling. And we just decided to get married the next day. So it was a true elopement. <laughs> Literally, wow. he went and bought a suit from Nordstrom's. I went to David's Bridal and bought a, a dress off the rack for $150 and we got married. <laughs> and it was amazing and beautiful and one of the most romantic things we've ever done and even though it is like 
a whirlwind fairy tale story, we right. always tell people, don't do what we did, right? right. Because it did bring a lot of um, hardships. And initially, it wasn't between us. It was actually externally. I think because we faced mm. so much judgment from how we met and got married, um, definitely from my family. I lost two of my best friends in the process. They were just like, I can't watch this train wreck. Oh, and wow literally stopped being my friend because I thought I was just making rash, terrible decisions. And on his side, you know, he had a lot of friends in his ear, like, you don't know this girl, like she could be anything. His mom was really upset with us that we eloped. So we mm. faced a lot of harsh criticism in the beginning of our marriage. And and that lasted for years. That was not even like a, a quick get over mm -hmm. type of thing. Like people yeah. were really upset with us for years, okay? Um, mm. And then the other thing is that his best friend died six months after we got married. Oh, that was um, really difficult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so we were both grieving. And two weeks after we got married, both of his kids, he has, he had twin teenage girls at the time. They moved in with us for the summer. So I went from being a single woman Ooh. living in LA to a married woman with two kids in, wow. in, in 90 days time. 90 days. So, <laughs> yeah. So all of that say no. It was not easy, but I think our first couple of years, we really didn't have anything but each other. So we really looked to each other for that support. And mm -hmm. I think that really bonded us together because we had, I would say, a complete two years without any real significant conflict. And I think that that's a mm -hmm. part of it because we just didn't have, we didn't have space for conflict, honestly. We were both like in just very vulnerable places, um, you know, with him grieving his friend, with me grieving my mom, with us being newlyweds. We had moved to Houston from LA. We had mm -hmm. a lot of life changes. So thank God we did not have turmoil inside of our marriage at that time. Right, right. Wow. So you, know, you said some things that I thought were pretty interesting. I wanted to ask right quick first Did you have an idea in your head of like a, how you wanted to wedding, your wedding to be as a little girl? Like, did you, as, and as a single woman, did you like have a vision for a particular wedding? And did you have to like let that go to get married in the way you did? 100%. I was the girl who had been planning my wedding since I was like seven. So mm. in my mind, I was going to have three dresses, I was going to have hairpiece wig changes. I was going to have 12 bridesmaids. It was going to be an epic event. Okay. So mm -hmm. absolutely, I had to give that up. And when I tell you for someone who really wanted the whole fairy tale wedding, I would not change one thing about how we actually did get married. It was the most beautiful, romantic um, event I could have never planned. Right. Mm. It was just beautiful it was just him and i we only had one witness which is one of my best friends she was the only person there and mm. it was just beautiful um and so yeah i had to give that up i mean i gave up a lot i had to give up even the notion of what i thought marriage was because i was raised to be a certain type of wife and my husband mm -hmm. is that's not the type of wife he requires and so like there were just Ooh. so many things i had to give up um, from just like my programming and what I what my imagination had been running wild with for years because my reality just did not reflect that. Right. So, okay, I got a couple of more interesting things there, but um, I want to go to, you mentioned that 
no, the things that you were raised to be a wife as um, isn't the things mm-hmm. that your husband really requires. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? What was it? And you said that he wasn't the, the type of person that you would normally date. Right. So what was the difference? What, what were you letting go of um, in terms of what you thought you wanted in a husband? And what were you picking up in your current husband? Sure. So I am Midwestern. I'm from Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I was raised to, you know, make fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, collard greens and gravy. Right. For my husband. Mm-hmm. My, my husband is basically vegan. So he don't even eat like that. He, he cooks, <laughs> he, he's a better cook than me. Okay. He is much more domestic than I am, right? Mm-hmm. So like all the things that my mom or my grandmother would have instilled in me as far as taking care of my man in quotes, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even do those things in my marriage. I'm actually mm-hmm. the breadwinner in my marriage, which is completely against what my mother or my grandmother would have wanted for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I wanted for myself, like I never envisioned that. Um, and that is, I think the hardest thing that I've had to relinquish and let go of, because that was probably the biggest, um, I would say at the time I thought that was a concession. Now I think differently, mm-hmm. but at the time, I need to expand on that for me. Like, no, you sure. thought that was a concession and now you think differently. Can you explain why? Yeah, well, at the time, okay, so I knew going in, like I said, at breakfast, he told me where he was, right? And I was at a different place. I was actually financially at my highest peak at that time when he was meeting me. So in my mind, I was like, well, you know what? If finances are the only thing I have to contend with with him, I know I can get this man making money. That is not even my concern, right? So at that time, I was like, okay, he's not financially where I want him to be, but you know, I could work with him. That's what I was thinking. Now, when I made that decision, it was against what I wanted, but I was also at a place of like, I've never met somebody this totally honest. And I know that this is the person mm-hmm. God sent to me. So I can't deny him based on the, the condition he's coming in because I know this is the person I'm supposed to be with. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. just ride out on that, even though that is not what I wanted. <laughs> so when we when we got together and he was really in transition I'm talking about like he was coming from um you know having a couple failed businesses he was trying to figure out his way and that I mean six years later my husband is a you know more than six-figure earner he he works in pharma and marketing he's doing great but at that time he wasn't and I knew that that was like it was hard. It was hard for me to stomach that because I'd never dated someone who did not out earn me. Mm. And it was a prerequisite. Okay. Like I didn't date anybody with kids. He had kids. I didn't date nobody broke. He Mm. was broke. Like I, Mm. it was just like all these things. He didn't look like how I normally date. You know, it was like all these things that were just not on my list. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's something that I tell women all the time. Now I'm a life coach and a a large percentage of women come to me for exactly that because they're like, well, how am I the successful woman who can't, you know, seem to find happiness in my personal life. And a lot of that is because you won't let go of the list. Right. Mm -hmm. You're looking at all Mm -hmm. the things that you, you uh, imagined you wanted instead of the things that you actually need. And my husband is the thing that I actually need versus the thing that I thought I wanted. And I think that's the difference is that now you, yes, do I out earn my, my husband? I do, but it doesn't mean anything at this point because all of our money 
is our money. So uh, whether I made it or he made it, it goes to the same pot. It gets spent the same way. So, you know, I think that really holds particularly black women up sometimes when we are looking at it from the perspective of my, my husband isn't a provider. Well, my husband provides for me in more ways than financial um, provision, right? So Mm -hmm. I think it's about what we do as a team and how we partner together for the goals of our family, because I couldn't be who I am without the husband that I have. I Mm -hmm. am by, by far a very ambitious woman and mm-hmm. I need a partner who is not intimidated by that. Uh, Raheem mm-hmm. could care. Le- he could not care less, like what what I make or any of that. Like that is not his concern. He is right. he is concerned that I'm fulfilled in what it is that I do, and that I am happy doing it. And so the fact that I happen to make more money than him is not a blow to his ego, right. which is a definite difference from a lot of the men that I've dated in the past. Mm. So, and one thing that you said, I thought was pretty interesting is that like, um, he provides for you in other ways. Can you maybe kind of give a description of like what type of ways that he like stands in for you or like provides for you or helps? Like, like I'm hearing um, he was more domestic for you. Like how does, what does that look like? He was, so at the beginning of our relationship, um, I was finishing my MBA program And as I mentioned, I was grieving. I had basically dropped out of my MBA program. Mm. And he was like, babe, you are right there. You only have one class, like knock it out. And he literally made food for me every day. He made sure that I was eating properly. He made sure Mm. I made it to class. He is the reason I have an MBA today because Mm. he made sure that I got through the finish line, even though it was um, really difficult for me. Like my brain was not working. You know, it was it was grieving. And so it was really difficult for me to focus on that last class. But because I had the support at home, I didn't really have to do anything at home. He was literally like, do what you got to do. And I got everything else. Right. And Mm -hmm. when I had my son, um, when we got pregnant with my son, we well, I did. I started having feelings I didn't know I was going to have. Right. So as we got closer to having my son, I did not want to put him in a daycare. I knew I was only going to have, you know, 90 days or whatever maternity leave. And I asked for Raheem to stay home with him because I just did not want to put him in daycare. It was really giving me a lot of anxiety. And mm-hmm. he made he made that sacrifice for me. He quit his job. He was making money at his job. And he quit his job to stay home with my son for 14 months. Oh, and wow. so that's what I'm talking months. about. Like, yeah. And he was a stay-at-home dad with our son. And our son is absolutely amazing for him having that time with a primary parent during that during that real pivotal part part of his life and so Mm -hmm. that's what I mean by provision because it's about how we help each other inside of our family unit I don't have anything in my life that I can't take to him and we work through together and that Mm -hmm. is what I want right I don't want someone who's just throwing money at me because money is not the problem for everything and I have money quite honestly so I don't need for someone to throw money at my problems I need for someone to actually be there and be a problem solver with me and that's what he is he can fix anything make anything like I don't have to call no handyman he know how to do all that <laughs> stuff you right. know and 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 that is a, a huge benefit to me I feel very safe and secure because I know he can handle it you know, we just bought a mm-hmm. house. He refinished our basement. That's money we didn't have to spend. 
Mm. Right. Mm. So, I mean, there are so many benefits that he brings to the table that are, and at this point he is bringing monetarily right to the table mm. and it goes into our bucket, but he's so much more than that um, in our relationship. Wow. So now hearing all this, um, and I think somebody listening will think you guys have like, you know, almost a perfect setup unless you guys are just rocking it out. But then I hear like, it may stress people to know that, you know, you guys are actually a polyamorous couple. Is that right? We are. We are. We so, have been. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the question I would ask that maybe the listeners may want to know if, you know, if he is your dream guy, he fits into the bot so well, like you guys are like, you know, have this seems to have this great battery to where like he's willing to stay home with the kid and, and you, while you mm-hmm. work and you work through all of that, then why wouldn't you just be monogamous? Like, where did the poly stuff come from? Oh, noble, opening up a whole can of worms. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yes, he is, he is a version of my dream man. Um, but I would say what I realized after I had my son is that I didn't believe in monogamy. And I am very, previously, I was very, very, very traditional, except for the way we got married, right? But when it comes to like, Mm -hmm. I was very religious at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I had my son, I really started to think about what is it that I believe? Because I want to be able to give my son my actual beliefs and not my programmed beliefs. And Mm -hmm. so I started evaluating everything that I thought that I believed. And so I started with religion. And once I got through, okay, this is what I believe from a religious standpoint, it led me down the path of finding polyamory, which I didn't even know about, you know, until I was 37 Mm. years old, I didn't even know it was an option, right? Um, And so once I learned about it, I studied it and I read books and I really tried to understand it before I even brought it to him. Because I wanted to make sure that before I say something so shocking, because we had been monogamous for four years in our marriage and neither of mm-hmm. us has stepped out of our relationship. And so, you know, why rock the boat, right? I wanted to make sure that this is really right. something, I, something I wanted. And as I started really evaluating my belief system around monogamy is that I don't feel, I think monogamy is beautiful and I could do it. I could still do it if I wanted to, but I just believe that as a black woman, it is the most freeing thing to be able to say, I still have autonomy over my body and my choices, even as a married woman. And I get to decide how I relate to another another adult human, regardless of my marital status. Mm. To me, that is freedom. And I wanted that freedom. And so I brought it to my husband and he was shocked. He was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I I distinctly remember him saying, you know, you think you can do this? And I said, yeah, I do. I said, I I want to, because I had lost uh, all of my male friends um, once I got married, because I just didn't really see from the traditional paradigm of uh, being in a monogamous relationship, how I could keep those close friendships without disrespecting my marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was something that was really hurtful to me because I had some really great guy friends 
And I just didn't know what to do with them after I got married. So a lot of those relationships kind of went by the wayside. And once we became poly, I went back and was like, hey, now I know what to call you guys, right? Like now I know where you can fit (laughs) in my life, even without you being a sexual partner. So I think that's one of the things that people get really confused with, um, you know, understanding like polyamorous relationships. There are so many beautiful ways in which you can relate to a person and not all of them include sex. Right. Right. And so for me, it actually wasn't about sex at all, because I'm actually not a terribly sexual person. I'm much Mm -hmm. more um, emotional and I really wanted more the ability to emotionally connect and the ability to have different experiences with whomever I chose, if I chose. So that was really my reasoning uh, for that. And then on the other side, my husband is very sexual. So Mm -hmm. on my side, I'm thinking I know that he is not fulfilled because this is four years in, right? So I know that he's not getting the amount of sex he would really truly like, right? (laughs) Right, Um, right. And I know that it's difficult for me. And this is something that I was really taking personally because this is a wifely duty, right? This is something that Mm -hmm. we're taught, you know, you got to keep your man happy or he's going to be going over here, over there. And what I realized is, I really don't care if he go over here, over here, (laughs) as long as I know, right? Like, as long as as I have consented to this, I really don't care, you know? Exactly. And I know that that's difficult for some people to understand. But what I would say about that is once I gave up the concept of ownership, this is not Mm -hmm. my husband. He is Raheem, a full adult person who gets to have choices, right? And Mm -hmm. I am a full adult person who gets to have choices. And just because we have chosen to do life with each other does not mean that now you have to abdicate parts of your personhood, right? Um, For the sake of being married to me. And that's pretty much how I got to it. Wow. That's, uh, That's actually kind of amazing. So like, did you guys set up like a protocol around that? Cause like I know when people hear this, they're thinking like, okay, well, if you don't care where he's where he's going, as long as he comes back, like what about like what if he gets somebody else pregnant? What about STDs? Did you guys like have a protocol or a, a talk about that? Or is that oh, not yes. a worry concern for you? Oh yes, absolutely. So I am a super germaphobe, and <laughs> I uh-huh. am also like a really a type personality when it comes to this kind of stuff. So absolutely, we have boundaries. There's no unprotected sex. We get mm-hmm. tested before every new partner and we get tested 90, every 90 days regardless. And all of any sexual partner that we have, we have to exchange um, test results with, which to me, this is something that when I was single was not done with the regularity that it is done in the poly community. It is just, most of the people that I have encountered, this is just standard practice for how to roll, <laughs> right? So uh-huh. asking somebody for their test results is like, oh yeah, here you go, right here, let's do it, right? You know, so right. it, it's it's understood in our relationship, you know, that we, there are no slip ups. There's no, oh, I just happened to accidentally, you know, fall into it and there was no condom present. No, like there's never, that's never the case. Um, and I mm-hmm. trust him enough to, to know that he's going to protect me um, and he's going to protect himself. And I take a ton of precautions on my side too. I mean, I, I have an IUD. I don't have unprotected sex. Um, mm-hmm. I also I also take PrEP, which is a HIV pre- prevention drug, 
uh, to make sure that if I did come in contact with HIV that I would not get it is 99.9% effective. So I mm -hmm. take all the precautions because I don't play no games when it comes to my health. Um, and and I'm being really open about this because I think this is really, really, really important for people to understand. And again, I think in poly people are focused, people who are not in the community are focused on the sex part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. have any more sex than I was having in the first place. Right. Um, so I am not like swinging from the chandeliers. Um, but I do have the option and I think that's very powerful. And then, uh, to go back to something you said around, like he could be going anywhere and doing anything. Well, the thing about it is he could do that even if we were in a monogamous relationship and, mm -hmm. and that happens in 60% of monogamous relationships. And right. so for me, I feel excellent knowing exactly where my husband is and who he's with. Um, on any given time, day or night, right? Because we share locations. I have any of his partner's cell, cell phone numbers, addresses if needed, and he has the same for me. So uh, there's so much more transparency mm -hmm. in our relationship because we are open and honest about what is happening. Mm. So, so you're saying that you have his partners and vice versa, they have you change like phone numbers or addresses mm -hmm. or whatnot if needed. Mm -hmm. Are you in, um, are you two like a kind of a kitchen table poly type of couple? Do you like kind of like keep stuff separate? Like what's, how do you manage that? So we, we do call ourselves kitchen table poly because we are both open to having that level of community. But I will say we kind of function parallel um, only because we haven't really integrated you know, metamors and that kind of thing in a real consistent way. Like, yes, I have met some of his partners and we are friendly, but, you know, it hasn't really gone beyond that. So, yes, we espouse to be kitchen table, but I would say we're mostly kind of functioning parallel at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but okay. not, not, because, not because of any reason. It just really hasn't, we haven't gotten to a place where we're like consistently kind of involving each other's partners mm -hmm. in events and that kind of thing yet right so this has been really interesting and i want to go back to like like the main point of the convo which is like is this seems like you were able to do something that i find it's difficult for a lot of people to do which is overcome your own um preconceived notions notions your own cognitive dissonance around mm -hmm what a, a a husband will look like for you and what a marriage is supposed to look like for you mm -hmm. and really uh, manifest something that at the core is just complementary to who you are as a person. Yeah. What would you say to women who would just not be willing to accept anything other than what their vision is <laughs> for, for that man? Because I feel like well, a lot of women just really get stuck there. And I, I would say that's your choice, right? If you want to be stuck on your vision instead of what you could have in your reality, then that is your choice. But mm -hmm. there's another way. There's, there's always an alternative is one of the things I say just for my life, right? There's, you can have anything that you want, but you also have to ask yourself if you're keeping, you, keeping yourself away from the thing that is going to be best for you because you can't, because it doesn't fit into your box, right? It doesn't fit into your list. It doesn't fit into your mold of what you thought. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful that 
um, I didn't have an opportunity to to talk myself out of him because, right. and I tell him all the time, if he had not asked me on that date, on the first date to marry him and we had had a second date, we would not be here because I would have talked myself out of it. Right. Okay. Right, right. So I get it. I understand all of the women that are like, no, nah, I'm holding out for tall, dark, and handsome millionaire. I get it. I understand. <laughs> but but at the same time, I think that I was able to overcome my mindset around this because I believed in bigger. It wasn't about I knew I was not choosing my husband. I knew that this was really like God ordained. And I'm just not willing to go against that. You know what I mean? Like, I knew that this was, this was not me choosing him, that this was, this was about something much larger than me. And quite honestly, that's also something that keeps us together, is that I still believe that. I still believe that I did not do this. And we are together for something much larger than us and even much larger than our son. I think we have a purpose that we're supposed to do together and that includes family but i think we're Mm -hmm. supposed to do something that is really impactful in this world and we just we have to be together to do it wow that's amazing like i really love your story and your just your mindset and your confidence about it i feel like a lot of women um or just a lot of people in general that i've met have a really hard time um choosing faith in, in, in that regard? Because it seems like it's a very you know, ethereal, hard to nail down thing. Because I think a lot of people would be like, well, what were the qualifiers? You saw that he was broke. You saw that he you know, was, was leaving town. You saw that he didn't have the right look. And for you to like, you know, go off of just intuition and a feeling, even though like all the your check mark list wasn't on it, that, that's amazing to me. Like, I feel like well, I feel, feel very commendable. So I actually teach this now, right? I'm a manifestation mm-hmm. coach. I'm a life coach. And if you can't trust yourself, you cannot trust anything. And nice. I know that anything that my inner being is telling me to do is right. And I had that belief already. And so I think it really depends on the level of understanding the person has with who and what they are, because I mm-hmm. know that I'm God-like source energy and I am not going to steer myself wrong. And so mm-hmm. therefore, I really don't give a damn what y'all think. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really care because mm-hmm. I know what God told me on the inside of my body that this is the man. So it really didn't matter what I was looking at him being right now, right? right? He's because I know, and even now, I mean, God has revealed to me so many things about who this man is. And I feel that that is a part of my calling because I'm the visionary. That's my spiritual gift, right? And Mm -hmm. so I'm able to tell him, babe, this is the vision God gave me. And it's for you. It's not for me, right? And so even Mm -hmm. though it looks a certain way right now, the vision that that has been given to me has to do with your elevation, right? So I really think Mm -hmm. it depends on, on where that person is with their own understanding of who and what they are in this in this universe and I don't I don't I don't speak against myself negatively because I know who I am I do not um, look at life as being against me it is always for me and so I knew that anything that could come out of this it was all still going to be for my good so I was not afraid and I knew that I could trust myself and I think that when you 
go against yourself, you're ultimately betraying yourself because you don't you don't trust yourself. So you cannot have faith when you don't trust yourself because what mm -hmm. is faith? You have to believe in something you cannot see. And right. when you cannot believe in something you cannot see, right? Don't don't talk to me about manifestation because that's all manifestation is, is bringing something from the spiritual to the physical, right? right. And so I know you can't manifest nothing in your life if you cannot tell me that you can listen to your inner voice. Right. Wow. I got one more question for you before we go. That I just, I gotta, cause I feel like this is important. Uh -huh. How do you tell the difference personally between your inner self or your like your, your, your higher self basically, which is leading you to the direction of your, your highest good. Uh -huh. And your ego, your ego, that's going to have you messed up and talking yourself out of something. Oh, well, like, you just said it. Your, your, your inner being wants the highest and best for you. So uh -huh. anytime you are hearing like the little devil on your shoulder, that's definitely ego because your inner being is never speaking negatively. Your inner being is finding the quickest, fastest way to your desire all the time, 24 seven a day. That's his uh -huh. job. Right? right. And so your job is really to not get in its way. And how do we get in its way? We start talking ourselves out of stuff. Your inner being oh, says, yeah. go left, you go right. Well, no, I don't know if I'm supposed to go left. Well, you know what? It's going to take you longer. Right. <laughs> so, uh -huh. so getting to a place, I mean, I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, taking time out to meditate, to be quiet, to learn, to connect. Right. Because we're busy. Right. We have lots of distractions. There's lots of things going on. There's the world is giving you all kinds of messages, social medias giving you all of these messages. So a lot of people don't know their own voice. A lot of people right. don't know when they're receiving guidance, but a, a really easy way for you to know is based on your emotions because your thoughts are creating the emotion, right? And so your thoughts mm -hmm. are really the first manifestation because that thought is gonna turn into your next reality. And so understanding that what you're thinking is really important because that's creating the emotion, which is creating the frequency of the thing that law, law of attraction is attracting to you. And that creates your reality. So the way you know that your inner being is guiding you is because you're going to get an impulse. You're going to get a thought. You're going to get um, something that tells you like, it's going to be a brilliant idea. You're like, wow, where did that come from? That's not you. That's your inner being. Right. When you're mm -hmm. getting ready to walk out the house and you left something important and you you get in the driveway and you're driving away and suddenly you stop and say, oh, no, I left that thing. Let me go get it. That's not you. That's your inner being. Right. Mm -hmm. you, that's that is when you start to realize all the ways in which you're being led every day, it becomes easier to trust. But we don't know what we're looking for. We don't know what we're listening for. And so a lot of people miss that guidance. Mm. Well, that's powerful. Like That's that's boom right there. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the people how they can um, get in touch with you. I heard you say that you are a life coach. Are you, are you helping people now? What type of people do you help? I am. Yeah. So I help anyone who wants to learn how to live their best life. My coaching program is called Bliss by Design. And you can find me at GetMickeyBay.com. Also on all social media platforms, GetMickeyBay.com. That's M-I-K-K-I-B-E-Y. All right, girl, you you dropped some stuff on them to, this week. I really, really appreciate you coming through and doing this for me. This was this was amazing. Like, I gotta have you on here again. <laughs> I can't wait to come back. This was yeah, awesome. Thank get, you for having me, Noble. Yeah, definitely. We gotta go deeper. But um, but everybody, thanks again for tuning in. This is uh, another episode of Double Relating Podcast: A New Paradigm. 
Tune in next week. You got another deep dive with me and Patcha. Peace and blessings. And boop. Girl, Yay! look at this. You did good. <laughs> you did good. That shit was even yeah. more fire than You think so? Yeah, shit, girl. You was breaking this shit down. Hard shit. That's how you do it. Uh, uh, nuggets. Shit, tell my people to do this shit. Shit, you dropped like a couple of thousand dollars worth of game right there, man. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, you know what? One thing I want to talk about next time is how to deal in conflict, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I think one of the things is that, especially because of how we got together, like people are like, oh my God, y'all are relationship goals. Well, look, relationship goals still go through shit too. And I think it's really important <laughs> to talk about, yeah, because we, we hit we hit a really, really rough patch. And I want to talk about how to get through that and then what it looks like to really, really, as as Kenya would say, like di- divorce proof, right? Like, what does it mean to really, really be with someone and say, because I had said on the previous podcast, there isn't really a situation where we're not going to be together. Like, I could not come up with a situation that would mean I wouldn't be with him. But what does right. that mean practically? Because you're going to run up against shit that makes you want to leave, right? Right. So, like, what does that really mean in order to be able to sustain, like, a healthy relationship through conflict? And that's something that, you know, I'm still working on and we're working on as a couple. And I feel like we have learned such good nuggets about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we have a chance, I'd love to talk about that. Oh, yeah, I would love definitely to get your perspective on it. Um, For me, really, the best thing I know of is um, up level. Like, King is up level. That's it, really. I don't that really saved me a few times. <laughs> okay, exactly, really exactly. And of course, you know, Raheem is in the uh, program right now getting certified and we're doing up level as well. But even just from the standpoint of like, like both he and I are in counseling separately mm-hmm. as well and learning how to deal with someone's trauma, right? Because we're interacting with someone's trauma all the time. And mm-hmm. not letting that be like she's like she says, you know, it's a lie. It's the lie that you're that you're really ta- you're interacting with, right? Mm-hmm. So right. It's, I just think it's so important for people to know that, like, yeah, you look at these couples and they might be relationship goals, but there's real practical things that they're doing to make sure that they stay a couple. <laughs> yeah, like it ain't right. It ain't right, it's not just like you magically go be together. Like, no, yeah. it's it's you are actually like doing some really practical, tactical things um, to make sure that you're you're growing. And I know for us, that's a huge thing. Like, we don't we don't want to just be the same place we were yesteryear. Like, we want to be growing and changing individually and collectively. Right, right. Facts, man. Of course, of course. I'll I would love to hang out with y'all. You know, I got my um I don't know if I told you about told right Raheem. Actually, um I'm actually getting married myself. I have a baby on the way. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, she's gonna be moving up here um in in January. Oh, I love that. I know you really wanted that. Yeah, yeah, I did. I didn't it happened in the that's the way I thought it was going to happen. But, uh, hey, hey you, you manifested it, though. You've been talking about it. I sure did. So, that's amazing. <laughs> well, congratulations, Noble. Yeah, we would love to hang out. And, you know, we're definitely looking to um, create more community here now that we're settled in our house and everything. So. Yeah, yeah, and we'd love to have you over anytime. 
Oh, for sure. That, that sounds dope. Yeah. Um, especially when my when my lady comes. Actually, she might be coming up here this week. Or maybe I don't know. I'll okay. call you guys to see what's up. Yeah. Well, my um, birthday is this Wednesday. Oh, okay. So, so we'll be um doing some stuff and then I'm I always I do an annual staycation for my birthday. Nice. So I just, yeah, so I'm gonna be doing that on Wednesday and Thursday. But any other time if you guys are around, we can definitely hang out. Okay, maybe Tuesday. Um I'll hit up you or Raheem. Um see what okay. and uh yeah, we'll go from there. She may she may want to monopolize my time, but you know she Right. Whatever 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 you guys come up with. If if not this time, next time. Right, right. <laughs> All right, girl. All right, Noble. It'll be a couple of weeks for this, a few weeks before this comes out. Okay. Um, it's all set. Thank you, girl. Well, let me let me know um, when it's going to come out so I can promote it for you. Will do. Okay, Noble. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.